healthy relationships. <clears throat> and um, our, our scripture setting is going to be Galatians chapter 5, which is the fruit of the Spirit. And I, I hear people from time to time, when you want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit or whatever, they, they get a little frumply and say, well, we've heard all that before. Well, there's a lot of things we've heard before, but we need to keep hearing it until there's total and complete application. We're not here to enhance anyone's knowledge. We're here to share the Word of God with you, too, so you can apply it. So I'd like to spend the next few Wednesday nights with you talking about healthy relationships. The Bible said in Galatians chapter 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is, you'll notice the word fruit is singular. I still hear people talk about the fruits of the Spirit, and I'm going to come to that in a few minutes. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance, against such there is no law. This is a, a very much looked, much overlooked subject in the Bible. Uh, I think it's probably been misused as much as it's been used. But it's very important. If it wasn't important, it wouldn't be in the Bible. It's an incredibly important scripture setting. In fact, Paul teaches that this is the test of our Christianity or spirituality. And I want everybody to understand that. It doesn't matter how good you are as a person, what, what kind of good works you do. Um, it doesn't matter how spiritual you are and how you're used in the gifts of the Spirit otherwise. None of those things is a mark or a standard for spirituality. Bad people can do good things. There's, there's a lot of... Uh, criminal groups that use charity-related things as a front to do very evil things behind the scenes. And that is true. Um, there's folks that do a lot of good works, and you, you especially hear this at funerals, at, at someone's funeral, how good of a person they were, and surely God loves them, and they're in heaven today because they did a lot of good things for good people. The Bible doesn't teach such things. We're not saved by works, lest any man should boast, the Bible teaches. So if you want to know what the standard, the biblical standard is for Christianity or spirituality, it is the fruit of the Spirit. And I want to apply this, this whole series, tonight in a way that maybe we've not heard before. Uh, we'll, we'll see as we, as we traverse through all of this. So it's a test of our Christianity. So if the fruit of the Spirit, if the fruit, one singular fruit, is not growing in your life, if you're not getting better, then there's a problem with your faith, with your commitment, with your relationship with God, etc., now, I'm not going to pull punches, and I'm not going to beat around the bush, I, and, and I usually don't. But I, I want to be very clear. I want to try to communicate tonight, to the best of my ability, what the fruit of the Spirit is and how it applies to our lives. I want to begin by making a disclaimer or two. Uh, <clears throat> we've all gone through the personality and the gifting uh, most of, I think most everybody here tonight has gone through that. If you haven't, you should. It's a benefit. It's a blessing. 
<clears throat> and we, you'll notice, especially in the personality assessment, there's four groups. Uh, we refer to them as animals with no particular implication. Somebody named it that, and we just use that. But it's lion, golden retriever, otter, and beaver. And I, find, I found it interesting, and it's part of what has brought this to light that, that has inspired me to want to share this series with you, is it's funny that you can have two people with very similar personality types, but their behavior is totally different. It's interesting to me how that works. So just because you're a lion, if there's two people with a personality of a lion, doesn't mean those two people are going to act or conduct themselves exactly the same. And I'm going to get into a little bit more of that in, in just a few minutes. Nobody's perfect. We all understand that. But imperfection shouldn't be an excuse. We should work hard every day on who we are as Christian people to be better. The second thing I want to say tonight is, is this is a study on healthy relationships. And I like to begin first with our relationship with God. The first three parts of the fruit of the Spirit has to do with our relationship with God. The second three with others, the last three ourselves. But it has to do with our relationship with God and how we act and behave around God. Everybody is not always nice to God. They're not. That is true. But it also applies to marriage. And how you treat your spouse. If you can't be a Christian with your spouse and you're a Christian with someone else, then you are a hypocrite. The fruit of the Spirit doesn't apply just to the people that you want to apply the fruit of the Spirit with. The fruit of the Spirit is a, a demarcation of who you are as a Christian person where it overrides your personality, it overrides your feelings, it overrides your mood, it overrides your temperament, and all that kind of stuff. It's what this is about. So I want everybody to understand the application of it. So it begins spiritually with you and God. It, it applies to your lifestyle at home with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents, and so on. It applies, of course, on your job. It applies... In, at Walmart, it applies at the mall, it applies in traffic. God help us in Jesus' name. Um, I needed a lot of that today. As a matter of fact, everyone I got behind was 17 years old texting on the telephone, driving four miles an hour. I told Sister Murphy, if that person's going to Zachary, they might want to catch a Motel 6 on the way. They ain't going to make it tonight. Um, I just don't do good with patience. <laughs> anyway... Uh, it applies everywhere. It, it, it's, it's, it's not just the application of it depending on where you are and all that. It becomes who you are as a person. And that's what I want everybody to understand. It overrides your personality. You know, we all expect an alcoholic to come to the house of God, be filled with the Holy Ghost, and change. And give up alcohol and quit being an alcoholic, right? Well, what about if you're an idiot? Do we accept that? You know, if it's okay to be an idiot, surely it's okay to smoke marijuana. Right? Okay. So this is not just an application Bible study series. It's a become who I want to be. It's I want to become this person Bible study series. Everybody understand that? I don't want to spend a lot of time here. Uh, 
So if the fruit of the Spirit's not growing in your life, then there's a major problem with your faith. There's a breach somewhere between you and God. And I want to make one more disclaimer. I almost brought a suitcase with me here tonight, and I didn't want to get people excited thinking I was going to pack up and move off somewhere. Um, but we all have baggage. I thought about the airport scenario. Isn't it awesome how you can typically bring your luggage to, uh, I, we used to call it Ryan Airport, excuse me, the Baton Rouge Metropolitan International something, something, airport, whatever. But you check your luggage in, and when you get to where you're going, theoretically, you should be able to go pick up that luggage and take it home with you. We do the same thing at church. We bring our baggage, leave it, and when church is over, we pick it up and take it home. It would be nice sometimes if baggage claim at church would just lose your luggage. Everybody say amen. So just because you had this in your childhood and this as a teenager and that in a marriage and this in a marriage and that for a kid and this for a kid and all that, none of those disclaimers are included in Paul's teaching on the fruit of the Spirit. In light of all that you've been through in life, the baptism of the Holy Ghost can empower you to become what the Bible teaches for people to become as Christian people. And everybody say amen. So the extraordinary beliefs of Christians can be reasonably expected to produce dramatic behavioral patterns. People expect that. You run around and say you're a Christian, people's going to hold you to that standard. You think it's hard being a Christian, try being a Christian pastor. Well, you're a preacher. You're never supposed to be in a bad mood. You can't ever be sick. You can't ever leave on Sunday, but we want you to go on vacation, and you don't have to shake my hand, but we want everybody's hand being shook, and you have to pray for everybody, and then, you know, on and on and on. You're tested to the nth degree. Amen. All right. But the extraordinary beliefs of Christians can be reasonably expected to be to produce dramatic behavioral patterns. Those who believe in Christ's sacrificial death should adopt a sacrificial lifestyle. That makes sense to me. Can't have everything on easy street. Jesus went to Calvary. I didn't have to die. He did. So I ought to be able to live it up. That ain't how it works. He sacrificed. He expects you to sacrifice. And I think that's fair. Everybody said amen. amen. Those who have been forgiven by Christ. You'll have to make the choice to forgive others. This is Christian Principles 101 here. Those who believe that God created them will have a sense of purpose and direction in their life. If you believe that God made you then he didn't mess up and he didn't waste his time and you weren't an experiment that he gave up on. God has a purpose for you living, has a purpose for you breathing his air that he created and so on. So it's important that we find purpose and direction in our life, which is part of our vision statement here, is to discover purpose. Those who are convinced of the holiness of God will have a high sensitivity to issues of righteousness and morality. Don't run around saying I'm a holy Christian believer except when it comes to morality, except when it comes to lying or cheating and worldliness and vanity and pride and all those kind of things. You understand this is a presentation here that when a person 
receives the baptism of the Holy Ghost, something should happen on the inside of them that you embrace these concepts and principles that are so applicable to your life. And it's, it becomes who you are. And you say, well, I can't do that. Well, if you start acting it, and you do feel a little hypocritical, a little weird, but if you start being nice to people that you're not typically nice to, you feel weird for a while, but after a while it becomes normal. And a habit becomes a lifestyle. It's amazing how we can take sinful habits and make a lifestyle out of it, but we can't apply that to godly principles, practice those habits enough, and let that become a lifestyle. So James explored this link between behavior and belief, in his epistle, he, he, he connected behavior and belief. James said, if even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So James reminds us that belief will behave. If you believe, you'll behave properly. That correct belief will behave correctly. There's going to have some folks that need to absorb this night. You need to go home look in the mirror and say, am I this way at home? Am I this way towards God? Am I this way towards my spouse, my family? If you're not, you may want to rethink your lifestyle. <clears throat> Jesus made a similar point in Matthew. He said, you shall know them by what they say. Right? You shall know them by their good intentions. Right? I mean, if we say we want to be a Christian, then that ought to qualify us as a Christian, right? That's not what he said. You shall know them by their fruits. Do men gather grapes of thorns or figs of thistles? Even so, every good tree brings forth good fruit. But a corrupt tree brings forth evil fruit. You were created to be a dwelling place for the Spirit of God And without him in your life, things quickly get out of hand as your flesh dictates your patterns of behavior. And the Bible calls those the works of the flesh. When you abandon allowing the Holy Ghost to work in your life, then you begin to embrace and endorse and practice by default what the Bible calls the works of the flesh, which are adultery. It's running pretty rampant in the church these days, it seems like. It's, it's not a big deal to people anymore. To You know, the friends with benefits, they call it. Uh, but it's a work of the flesh, and it's a sin. But adultery, fornication, fornication out as, as intimacy out of marriage, uncleanness, lasciviousness, or lust, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, Envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like. Go home and study what these words mean. Do, do the old Google thing on them and study what these words mean. You'd be surprised at how much, how much of this could be applicable in your own life. You don't necessarily realize it because you don't really know what these words mean. I don't have time tonight to go through all of them. The fruit of the Spirit, bottom line, folks, is not an option. It's not one of them scriptures in the Bible you read and say, yeah, I can do that, or no, I don't have to. It don't work that way. It's an essential part of the Christian experience. It's an essential part of Christian development. And it may develop at different rates in different people. People progress differently at different rates. Some are slower than others, etc. But it must nonetheless be 
developing. The fruit of the Spirit affects every relationship that you are involved in. There's no exclusions. I mean, even your three-month-old baby, your relationship with that child involves the fruit of the Spirit. It does with your husband and wife. It does with your parents and so on. You just don't slough things off and say, eh, I ain't going to worry about all that. There's something growing under the surface when you do that. You have to have those face-to-face moments with God. And this is where James said that a man will look in the mirror and not like what he sees, but not do anything about it. And he'll walk away and say, I'll take care of it another day. So here's what Scripture teaches about the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is produced supernaturally, not naturally. And I want everybody to understand that. Just because you're nice because of your personality doesn't mean that's the fruit of the Spirit part. Because there are tests, there are situations and environments that can bring the bad side of you out. I know a man tonight that, (laughs) there are several here tonight that knows the story, but um, the policeman came to his house for a, a certain reason, for a legal reason. He didn't like them being there, and he t- tackled them on the floor. He was arrested and hauled off to jail. Nicest guy you ever want to meet. Did I ever see that coming? Absolutely not. But just because he was a nice guy, because of his personality, doesn't, doesn't mean that was a fruit, part of the fruit of the Spirit. And that's where we have to learn to differentiate. And church people fall into that trap all the time. We look at people's personality, and we judge them, We shouldn't judge, but we observe them as being such a nice Christian person. They'd be that way probably without a whole lot of Holy Ghost. There are people like that. They're nice people with or without the Holy Ghost. We have to discern in our life, just because you're a nice guy and people think you're a nice guy doesn't mean that God thinks you're a nice guy. And that's that's where you have to understand and you have to discern between the difference. But watch this. The fruit of the Spirit is produced supernaturally, not naturally. So like all fruit, like all fruit, the fruit of the Spirit grows out of its root. And the fruit of the Spirit is the character of God. I hope everybody understands that. If you plant a rose bush, you're going to get a rose because that DNA is in the root. So godly character, godly character is in the root of a person filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. It's the character of God, and this is what God wants manifested in our life. So watch this. The character of God, first and foremost, let's go through the fruit of the Spirit again. It is love. It's the first one. God is love in 1 John four sixteen. Then there's joy. The Bible said he will rejoice over you in Zephaniah three seventeen, talking about God. Third is peace. He's the God of peace, according to Hebrews 13, verse 20. God is patient. He is patient with you, according to 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9. He's kind. The Bible talks about his kindness to us in Ephesians 2, 7. God is good, goodness. I will see the goodness of the Lord in Psalm 23, 13. God is faithful. The Bible said, great is your faithfulness in Lamentations 3, 23. God is gentle. The Bible said, I am humble and gentle in Matthew eleven twenty nine. 29. God is full of self-control. Isaiah 42, 12, I have long, God said, I have long restrained myself. So these... Biblically, the nine parts of the fruit of the Spirit is who God is as far as His character is concerned. So when you approach God, this is what you get. So how does that apply to us? 
we are commanded to produce this same fruit in our life, and you should, if you have God in you, the Holy Ghost in you, you should take on the character of God, okay? So let's go back to love. You love the Lord, thou shalt love the Lord thy God, and you love your neighbor in Matthew chapter 22. We should have joy. The Bible said rejoice, rejoy, rejoy, get your joy back, rejoy in the Lord always. Philippians 4, 4, there should be peace about us. The Bible said to seek peace and pursue it in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 11. We should be patient. God help me, God help me. Um, be patient with everyone. I can't. I'm just, <laughs> just being honest, man. I, I'm trying, God, really. I'm, I, you'd be surprised how many times I want to be impatient where I wasn't. So I did pass a few times. But be kind. Clothe yourself with kindness, Colossians 3.12. Goodness, let us do good to all people in Galatians 6.10. And be faithful. Uh, faithfulness, be faithful even to the point of death, according to Revelation 2.10. And to be gentle gentleness the servant of the lord must be gentle the bible said in second timothy 2:24 and to exercise self control add to your knowledge temperance or add to your knowledge self control when things fly off the fly off the handle and things are flying all crazy you don't the bible said add to your knowledge you stop and think through your education through your knowledge you tell yourself don't be an idiot Keep you cool. Keep the straight and narrow. Do not deviate to the right hand nor to the left. Put the blinders on your eyes. Keep your head on straight. Boy, people would do this, especially in marriage. Oh, my. And then second behind that is parenting. To consistently live this kind of life is an impossible task without the power of the Holy Ghost. But with the power of the Holy Ghost, you can for all things are possible. I can do all things through Christ, Paul said. So it's easy to feel overwhelmed by the immensity of God's character. So I can't be like that. Yes, you can. I can't do all that. Yes, you can. Because I can do all things through Christ. Not just the things I want, but I can do all things. All things are needful, the Bible said. All things are expedient, the Bible said. It's kind of looking at all this kind of stuff. It's like the little boy who set an ostrich egg in front of his chicken and said, you take a good look at this and try harder. <clears throat> and sometimes we feel that way. It's just an impossible mountain to climb, but we can do it. You can do it. And the secret is found in the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Jesus said, abide in me and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can you except... You abide in me. Okay. Now the fruit of the Spirit is singular. Fruit. One word. Let's talk about the personality thing again. I told you I was going to come, come back to this. Because of people's personalities, some tend to have an easier time with certain aspects of the fruit of the Spirit. Sister Murphy is as patient and it wears me out. I get impatient with her being patient. Just, come on, man. If we're going to do it, let's do it. <laughs> and she tells me her big word around the house is simmer. I mean, just calm down, you big fool. We'll get through this. She don't say all that, but I discern the application. 
<laughs> Amen. <laughs> but it's like buyers in a fruit store. Do you ever go in a fruit store and buy one of everything they have? No. You'll never see me buying a grapefruit. I can't eat them things, man. I can't eat, drink grapefruit juice. And every now and then, Sister Murph gets concerned about my health and says I need to eat this and eat that and whatever. And you just, you ask a hard thing. I can't swallow it. Now, if I put, you know, eight tablespoons of sugar in it, I could. But that kind of defeats the purpose, right? But how many of you go into a fruit store and you buy one of everything they have? I love to tell the story when I was a kid. I, go, I always went grocery shopping with my mother. I don't know why to this day. I don't know why I did that, but I did. Glad I did. I'd help her push the buggy if nothing else. And uh, I always noticed that when she'd go by the fruit section at either A&P or Winn-Dixie back on uh, Choctaw back in the day, She'd always just hand-pick three or four of them purple grapes, and she'd pop them in her mouth walking down the aisle, and it's, God would have it, as, and as my witness. We had a visiting speaker when I was a kid, and I'll never forget it, and he specifically mentioned, if you go through the grocery store and eat grapes and don't pay for them, you're stealing. And she never did it again. I hope she got that right with God before she died. It'd be a horrible thing to go, over, to, go to hell over a few grapes, wouldn't it? <clears throat> but... Like buyers in the fruit store, people only concentrate on the fruit that interests them. They only concentrate on the fruit they like. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? How many of you go to the fruit store and you, everything you buy, you hate it? And you bring it home. And you force yourself to eat it. Okay. Sometimes... We do that with the fruit of the Spirit. As a matter of fact, a lot of times we do that with the fruit of the Spirit. We'll, we'll read through them nine things. Uh, you know, I can do the love thing. It just depends on who it is. Am I talking to anybody here tonight? I can do the love thing, Jesus. It just depends on who it is. And I'm going to be straight up honest here tonight. There's people here in this, right here in this room that are easier to love than others. I'm going to give you an example. Melanie Tipler is easier to love than Boo. Would you all agree with that? Don't you wimp out on me. You've all but said it a hundred times. I'm kidding. I'm just picking on Boo. Not really, but anyway, we'll move on real quick. But <laughs> Y'all want to go to Wingstop after church? I need to do some repenting and confessing or whatever. So, uh, And I'll buy yours this time. But we look at the fruit of the Spirit and say, you know, we can love people. And seriously, depending on who it is, they're just people we don't want to love. That's why we don't tolerate bias and prejudice and all that stuff here at Grace Church. We love everybody. You can't do that. If you can't sincerely at least work on it, you might want to go to a church where that's acceptable. To hate some people and not others. Or love some others, some folks and not others. Um... You know, the, the, the patience thing. I struggle with that. That's probably my biggest weakness of the whole bunch. Temperance is a, a, sometimes a, a, a struggle. Uh, I, I can go through them one by one. Uh, I will say, as, as a pastor, sometimes I'm patient to a fault. I've had folks tell me that, man, you just need to set so-and-so down and let them have it. Well, no, that's not my style. And uh, I'm kind of patient with folks to a, a fault and what have you. 
I want you to understand that you can't look at these nine things and pick which is the most applicable to your life and the easiest to do and say, okay, God, I got it. Not only can you not do that, neither can you pick which ones you do like and say, God, I'll give you 53% of this one and 48% of that one and 78% of that one. It don't work that way, folks. It's all in. Find me a situation where Jesus was less than 100% in all nine categories. Excuse my question here tonight, but do y'all feel me? Now, I'm, I'm talking about the, the, the fruit of the Spirit. Somebody said, I smell what you're stepping in. If you didn't catch that, we'll keep right on going. It's okay. But you can't pick and choose. You can't pick and choose. All right, personality thing. Sometimes the people who love the most, who are those gooey, lovey, lovey, I love you, I love you, I love you people, they lack self-control. So where they love everybody and they're nice to everybody, and I just love everybody. There's, on the flip side of that, on the opposite side of that, there's a huge weakness where the other parts of the fruit of the Spirit would be applicable, as in temperance. Don't have the ability to really control their lifestyle and what have you. Sometimes the joyful people that are always bouncing off the wall are not always gentle. Y'all understand me? We can't pick and choose. And, and sometimes the joyful are not always gentle. They, they can sometimes ridicule and they can sometimes taunt and what have you. How come, oh man, get going. How come you're not happy? Smile, man. And they'll, they'll razz you about it. <clears throat> so, you know, they may be joyful, but they're not always gentle. And sometimes it's hard for the gentle to be faithful. Sometimes the real gentle people need to be motivated. When it comes to faithfulness and so on, sometimes the faithful exercise their faithfulness so enthusiastically that their kindness comes into question. I've heard people say, I've been faithful to this church for the past 423 years. I knew the pastor before he was even born. I knew his granddaddy back in 1942 or something like that. And your faithfulness literally becomes a stumbling block because you use it to flaunt who you are. I've had the faithfulness card played on me numerous times. Well, I've been faithful to this church for years, okay? Have we developed a spirit of entitlement? That now I am owed certain things because I've been faithful. So you see where faithfulness is a great attribute, it has to be countered with the other parts of the fruit of the Spirit. I hope you all understand me here tonight. I'm, I'm trying to make this light and I'm trying to make it easy and I'm throwing a lot of humor. But, but my core presentation here tonight is this is not optional as people of God this is what we must be 24 7 and I know going back to the ostrich thing in front of the hen it looks like a tall mountain to climb but you at least have to work on it just don't throw your hands up and quit and say okay well I just resigned myself to be a hypocrite forever work on it you can do it and, and celebrate every victory that you have so when we think about fruit rather than fruits and that's why it's singular when we think about fruits rather fruit rather than fruits we take away the freedom to be picky about the fruit we like this isn't a spiritual fruit stand you don't go in there and pick up a, a bag full of peace and take it home with you it's one fruit 
And on the inside of that fruit is packed with nine things. And you eat it, all of them, at once. And where it's, you don't have an issue, it'll pass right on through. Where you have an issue, it's going to get hung. You're going to cough and choke and spit and sputter. It's not going to taste good. It's going to be like eating grapefruit and prunes. And God help us in Jesus' name. So the fear fruit of the Spirit is not a collection of unrelated traits that can be selected or neglected according to personal preference. The fruit of the Spirit is not a collection of unrelated traits that can be selected or neglected according to personal preference, but rather a composite description of what a Christian acts like all the time. It's a direct result of being filled with the baptism of the Holy Ghost. Does everybody understand that? So gifts, gifts, gifting, will reveal my ministry. The fruit of the Spirit reveals my maturity. And if you're not growing, so spiritual gifts are distinctive abilities given to each believer when they receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost to be used to minister to others and to build up the body of Christ. Some of these gifts are supernatural, and they're operated only under the influence of the Holy Ghost, while others are natural abilities enhanced by God's Spirit. The Bible does not lock us in to tight restrictions as to the number of spiritual gifts or even their definitions. The Bible doesn't lock you in and say you've got to have all nine gifts of the Spirit. It doesn't say that. And you can find the listings of them in the New Testament, 1 Corinthians 12, and so on. But that's not true with the gifts of the Spirit, or with the fruit of the Spirit, excuse me. You don't have a selection with the fruit of the Spirit. It's one fruit, and you take one big bite. One big... So, developing the fruit of the Spirit in my life is the ultimate spiritual experience, and probably one of the most difficult things that people have to face when becoming a Christian is developing the fruit of the Spirit. It's not easy. It takes a lot of commitment. It takes a lot of sacrifice, a lot of transparency, a lot of honesty, a lot of evaluation. But it's awesome when you can begin to manifest these things on a consistent basis. So theologians call speaking in other tongues the initial evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And up until the time you receive the Holy Ghost, you could say that tongues is the ultimate spiritual experience. However... There's also continuing evidence of the Holy Ghost. There's continuing evidence. And yes, you can be filled with the Holy Ghost again and again and again and speak in tongues over and over and over. But the continuing evidence of the baptism of the Holy Ghost is not tongues. You don't walk around for the rest of your life. We were sitting in a restaurant one time with a pastor friend, his wife, and we were talking about things and kind of cutting up and acting silly and 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 the pastor's wife said she just got real excited about something that happened. And she said, man, I was so excited. Shana, na, 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 na. And it was meant to be silly, very irreverent, very uh, whatever. We still laughed and still funny. But that just came to mind when I was talking about speaking in tongues. When you receive the Holy Ghost... You don't walk around for the rest of your life. Shana na 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 na. Shana na 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 na. Shana na 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 na. Shana. If I walk up to you, nine as you. Shana na na na. Shana na 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 na. Shana na 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 na. And that's all I say. That don't work too good, does it? 
I do know people that received the Holy Ghost. Uh, Hannah Lewis, when she received the Holy Ghost at youth camp a number of years ago, uh, it was like hours later before she could speak English again. She called her mom and blah, 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 on the phone and didn't, mama's, hallelujah, you know, whatever it was you just said. You know, been calling her, you know, stupid or something like, oh, that's, that's good, you know, whatever, in the Holy Ghost and meant it in a good Christian way. But anyway, the continuing evidence of the Holy Ghost is not tongues. The continuing evidence of the Holy Ghost in your life is the fruit of the Spirit and how it's manifested. That's the ultimate spiritual experience is to be transformed by the power of God. Transformation is not just healing. Transformation, as the Bible teaches it in the New Testament, more than healing, more than deliverance, is proper behavior. Acting like Jesus. That's the big, huge transformation. Now, we rejoice when the alcoholic prays through and God delivers them alcohol and, and cigarettes and all that kind of, and we've done all of that. We've done all that. There's people here tonight has been delivered from all that stuff, and it's great. But to me, what's even greater is to be delivered from pride and lust and hatred and envy and all of those things. Isn't it great to be delivered from that? You don't do that stuff anymore. Huh? So the Bible said to be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. It's a, a change in behavior with God at home, with your spouse, with your kids, with your parents. Don't run around here and say you have the Holy Ghost and you call your spouse an idiot every other word. That don't work. It's hard. It's hard on people, man. I'm trying to be real and I, I'm trying to quit. I've got 12 minutes. I think I might, I might can make it. But it's hard when you at, at home on Wednesday night at 5 o'clock and you're trying to wolf down a bite to eat because aggravating Brother Murphy has to have church on Wednesday night at 7.30. And if it wasn't for that, we'd be in a better mood. We can just sit here and relax. And Honey, would you hurry up and get the food cooked? You're burning the bread and go through all this kind of stuff. And your kid walks in and says, Daddy, you say, shut up and go to your room. I don't want to hear it. And then you come to church and say, Hello, Brother Troy. How are you? Anybody feel me? There's husbands and wives right now. That was us a little while ago right there. True story. We were preaching a revival somewhere in the United States 30-something years ago. And Sister Murphy and I were in a little room that they call the prayer room. And the pastor and his wife the prayer room was next to the pastor's office i learned a lesson he's lucky his is next to my office if i had my way it'd be a shed out in the middle out in the backyard somewhere but the pastor's wife went in there and we heard him you couldn't understand it. you listen and then you get interesting you put your ear on the wall if I'd have had the, you know, a glass, you can put a glass on there and you hear real good. And then we could start hearing them. They started talking loud enough. Well, I don't want you to go out there and shake hands and smile at people and all that. And she said, I don't want you to do it either, you hypocrite. All we do is fuss and fight. And then come to church and act like Christian people. Whatever. I, I, God is my witness. Sister Murphy will verify it happened. And so they got quiet all of a sudden. And Sister Murphy and I said, let's go step outside. And let's see what happens. Prayer meeting was over. We stepped outside, and sure enough, both of them, hey, sister, how are you? It's great to see you. Both of them did. And I thought, you, 
you hypocrite. It was funny. That really happened. But we all get caught up in that. But this is where Jesus says, when you're caught in those real tense, uptight moments, especially at home. That's where most of the breakdown is. Past that, it's probably on the job, but most of the time it's at home. You get in this shouting match and you just hate on people and you call them horrible names. And that's your spouse, man. That's the mother or father of your children. And you said, I do, and I'll be faithful to you to the end. And right now you want to make the end now. And uh, until death do us part, and it's, we're fixing to part. And we go through all that stuff. And this is where Jesus says, when you're caught up in moments like that, act like me. And it's hard. I've raised two kids. And I've been married for over 40 years. And I know how hard it is to be a Christian person at home. You get tired of all that walk, 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 walk in your ear and just shut up. And where I'm wanting the shut up word to be applied, the other people are saying, well, why don't you ever say anything? Because you're doing all the talking, that's why. You know, it's anybody, and, and of course, when you, it's a pastor's home, you mean all of this in a good Christian way. You have to understand that. But I'm, I'm, I'm doing my best to communicate to us here tonight that if you want to be a real Christian person and really impact the lives of people, you have to act like Jesus, especially in those moments where... You don't want to act like Jesus. It's more fun acting like the devil at this point. The fruit of the Spirit. Listen to me, folks. There's marriages here tonight would get better if you would just manifest the fruit of the Spirit. Go down each one and start manifesting that towards your spouse. Your marriage will get summarily better. And this is, the, this is my main application tonight is marriage and family. That's where the focus is going to be. Tonight's just an introduction. This is a secret to healthy relationships. Is we are not willing to treat people how we are willing to be treated. How we want to be treated. We will not treat others how we want to be treated by them. And sometimes you have to put the fruit of the Spirit where your mouth is. And I'm going to be nice to you whether you're ever nice to me again or not. I'm going to forgive you whether you ever forgive me or not. So the fruit of the Spirit is the secret to healthy relationships, the key to spiritual maturity, the evidence of real Christianity, then, is the fruit of the Spirit, and why isn't it more common in the lives of believers? Let me conclude tonight by sharing with you, I'm not going to read the Scripture setting, but when Jesus told the parable of the sower, here's the problem with the fruit of the Spirit working in our lives. There's four types of people here tonight, and you can decide which one you are. There's the pathway people who are hardened by the influences that they allow to beat a path through their life. There's people here tonight that a husband has just ripped you apart at some point in your life, or a wife has, or parents have, and you become pathway people. It's, you, you allow people to beat a path through your life. It's our friends and associates. It's the literature we read. It's the TV programs we watch. It's the music we listen to constantly. It's the pursuit of, of pleasure, the things that, that, that entertain us. It's personal ambition. 
It's how we are in our private thought life. It's pathway people. We allow things to just beat us down, beat us down, beat us down. And so the fruit of the Spirit never develops. And then there's rocky people. They're so shallow, they never develop what it takes to serve God consistently. There's only a thin layer of soil. There's a superficial experience. That's why they don't last. They're here for a while and they're gone. They're rocky people. It's a field littered with stones, obstacles of disobedience, and so on. It's streaks of gravel in the soil. It's spirit of ingratitude and criticism. These are rocky people. And then number three, there's thorny people, crowded by distractions of an overactive, overscheduled life. And I, there's folks here tonight, I, I, I wish I could sit down with you and talk to you about time management. Everybody has 24 hours in a day, and there's people who's taken those 24 hours in a day and made 80 bajillion dollars in those 24 hours. And there's other people that take those 24 hours and don't make a cent. It's not because one has more time than the other. It's what you do with that time. And there are priorities that are imperative. And spirituality is second to none. Nothing supersedes God and the house of God. The word of God. Prayer. Bible study. Nothing trumps that. If it does, you're going to have an unhealthy relationship with God. You don't miss church over frivolous junk. We schedule too much. And there's parents here tonight that are trying to live out your life through your kids. You're doing with making your kids do what you never got to do. They hate it. But you're going to make them do it because that's what you always wanted to do and you were never allowed to do it. I was never allowed to go roller skating or bowling. But I never made my kids do that either. I realized that just because I wasn't allowed to do something, you know, I, I was never allowed to go to the movies either, but I don't own a theater tonight. There's a lot of things that I wasn't allowed to do, but I learned growing up and maturing that there's a priority and there's a balance to spirituality. And we need to understand that. Nothing trumps God. If your job trumps God, then the next time you need healing, go to your job and see if they'll give it to you. Sports don't trump God. The next time you need, a, you need some marriage counseling, go to your little kid's coach. See if they can help you. That's your priority. And you wonder why Jesus said you have not because you ask not. It's because of the way you establish your priorities. It's amazing that people don't run to God until they're in trouble. They live their lives the way they want to live their lives, but they don't really pay attention to God too much until they get in trouble. It's sad that it's that way, but with people it's often... Uh, I didn't come to teach on that, but it... it it's thorny people. You're crowded by distractions. In an overactive, overscheduled life, you have too much on your calendar, and half of it's probably not necessary if the truth is known. All right, finally tonight in conclusion. Got three minutes. Then there's those productive people. Good ground to grow the fruit of the Spirit. It's people who hear and receive the admonition of the Word. It's people who live in the Spirit, allowing the fruit to be produced in them. Jesus said, I am, the van I am the vine and you are the branches. He that abides in me and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. I want everybody to understand that tonight.
So if you want a healthy relationship with God, if you want a healthy relationship in marriage, healthy relationships with parents and children, healthy relationships on the job, healthy relationships at church, and so on, it begins with you applying and becoming the fruit of the Spirit. It's hard to hate on somebody that fits into that fruit of the Spirit mold. Everybody said amen. Y'all good with that? Everybody got something out of this tonight? Was it pretty cool? I thought it was. This is a little overview, a little introduction. We'll, we'll hit it hard, Lord willing, next Wednesday night. We'll talk to you about love. Love, baby. That's right. We're going to get it going. We're going to start loving people, including your spouse. I'm going to keep saying that over and over. It's hard to love Jesus, whom you've not seen. When you can't love your brother or your earthly relationships whom you have seen. Include your spouse, your kids, your in-laws, uncles, cousins, grandparents. I will make this one little disclaimer and I'm done. The Bible does say, Brother Wheeler, you have to love them. But it didn't say anywhere you have to like them, so... There's a thin line right in there. I may not hang out with you every day, but I love you to death, man. I have a family member that we, we never talk. I don't hate on this person. They don't hate on me. We just never talk. But if they need me, I'll be there in a heartbeat. And I think there's a lot of folks that experience the same kind of thing that I'm talking about tonight. So stand with me. Let's uh, begin tonight. Take Galatians chapter 5. 23, cut it out and tape it to your refrigerator or to the dashboard of your car and say, I'm going to be this today. I'm going to be this today. When my boss comes in, I can't stand that idiot. I'm going to smile and be nice, whatever. Glad nobody here tonight works for Boo Tipler. Well, I'm, I'm getting down on Boo tonight, huh? Love Boo Tipler. Just having a little bit of fun with him. But take this, folks, and run with it. Let the Lord help you through the Holy Ghost. Let him help you. Thank the Lord. Don't forget about Spaghetti Sunday, and we'll have a great time after church. Thank the Lord. I'm going to try to preach a little short Sunday to give us a little extra time to slurp some spaghetti. God bless you tonight. Shake friends and be handy. We're glad you're here. Thank you for coming, and we'll see you the weekend. God bless you in Jesus' name. What you say, bud?